brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. A big good morning to you. I know it. I know it. I feel it too, don't you? You feel the hope. You feel the inspiration. You feel the future. <laughs> you feel the potential. I, know. I feel it too. So many good things to do in the show ahead today. There's some big thing, things going on. I'll, um, I'll mention this as a super PAC being formed to try to put together a coalition significant enough in the state of California here to take back control of Congress. Yeah. Thank God. I'll tell you what, yeah, how about that? Um, but in another, <laughs> in another part of California spending, we've already run out of money that was dedicated to helping people buy homes. I'll tell you a little bit about that. Law and disorder, kind of the grim of America and the United States of guns. Two shootings yesterday in Kentucky. You heard about one. There was actually a second one that really hasn't gotten a lot of publicity. I'll just mention that to you as well. And while we're on guns, we'll talk to a guy who sort of has a relationship with both the U.S. and Canada. And in that way, he has a perspective on both when it comes to guns. So all of that, bottom of the hour, Bill Mann will join us. And, of course, David K. Johnson, the Pulitzer Prize winner. At 11 o'clock, I want to talk about, well, not even so much about guns. I want to... uh, really speak to David about what's happening with the courts and how the courts are essentially resting from the FDA, which has its own problems. Let's face it, the FDA. The courts are seizing from the FDA the power to approve medications. That's really what's happening with this latest judgment from this Texas justice, right? So why do you have the FDA? Why do you go through rigorous review processes if you're going to let a judge just swing in and quote some law from the 1870s and take a drug off the market, make it unavailable? I mean, there is a reckoning to be done in this country about a lot of things, and the lopsided nature of the way things get done with the 
Supreme Court and then the federal court system, it's scary. So I don't want to sound seditious or, you know, like, or too rebellious, hmm. but we are at a real bizarre place where these modern day jihadists, I mean, this is a judge who had an agenda. This is a judge who got onto the court wanting to overturn a woman's reproductive rights. And he did it and appears to be following through somewhat effectively. So uh, I I want to tell her that. I have a question. Yes, Kim McAllister, a question, please. uh, A question in the back of the room, please. Yes, of course, please. Uh, I don't know if this has ever happened before. And I come at this from a complete place of uh, not being educated on it at all. But I, Uh I have this question about judges and rulings, and you made me think about it. I wonder if there has ever been a moment where there's had to be a limit to the scope of what judges can and cannot rule on. Oh, I see. So I understand that, you know, lawmakers make the law. I get that. So a judge can't necessarily make the law, but can rule in a way in which a law, you know, is either upheld or not. I understand all that. But what I wonder is if there's ever been a moment where judges in general have had the scope of what they are or are not able to rule upon, like medication, like a federal agency that has a job that you can't just walk in and usurp their power, have they ever been limited in any way on what they can rule on? Well, I mean, my knee-jerk knowledge on this is that judges interpret the law, right? Mm -hmm. And the laws are made by legislative bodies so that the legislative bodies aren't the courts. Right. But the courts interpret what those legislative bodies hand down. The change that you're suggesting or that you're implying with the question um, would be to the power and breadth of those court judgments. And I think it's a reasonable question. I mean, you know, in other words, uh, you're, I think you're implying, I mean, sort of uh, judicial overreach, you know, right, which right. is really what we're talking about today with David K. Johnston. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. Look, the same thing is happening with the Environmental Protection Agency with the undercutting of the EPA decisions on the essentially the levels of pollutants that we allow in things like water and air, right? And the Supreme Court has undercut the EPA's ability to regulate those poisons in our environment. You know, that's something I care very deeply about alongside these other issues. But that is a government agency dedicated to doing that, regulating and keeping track of toxins Mm -hmm. that fall into our air and our water. And so it's critical that that government agency be charged with that. That government agency is populated with scientists, with those who understand how to sample soil, air, water, and to regulate these things. It's not regulated enough for me, but just saying it's there. Supreme Court is undercutting that. So now you have an FDA that is populated with what? With doctors, specialists, scientists who are trained to do what they do, review these medications, look at peer-reviewed research, look at experimental results, and then determine whether a medication or drug is safe for the consumer market and whether it's effective for the consumer market. 
Uh, now you're going to tell me that a judge in Texas is going to do that? I mean, this guy is a, as I've said, he's a he's agenda driven. It's it's wrong. But we can talk to Debbie K. Johnson more about it. I think it's the uh, real undoing of of sanity in yet another way. You know, yeah. in this uh, craziness of the modern era. I want to mention a couple of things. First of all, Tony is in the crowd Thanks, today. Tony is uh, our he's our pal when Albert's not here. Yeah, I don't know Tony, but I, I assume it's great. It is great when Tony's here. And he does all the, you know, all the stuff. Like there's any technical problem, we start hey, bleeding Tony. out publicly. Tony always runs in. He's like the he's like a volunteer fireman. Yeah. You know what? I was a college um, student. You know, Tony, I was just a, I was just a lad. I was a college student. I'm sitting at dinner one night, and there three were there were four of us in the living in one year. It was my junior year of college, and. Um, I think it was my junior year. Not important. Maybe sophomore. So I'm sitting there. No, let's work out whether it was junior or sophomore first before we continue oh, with the con- Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> what movies were you watching? Let's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's timeline okay. this. So, yeah, really, really. So uh, all of a sudden, one of the guys at the table gets, he leaps up. He was a senior living with us, and he was kind of like the adult. And he leaps up and runs out of the unit, out of the room, and screams off in his car. We have no idea what's going on. So we're sitting there looking at each other going, what What? What did we just see here? What's going on with this guy? He's gone for about 20 minutes. He comes back, and he sits down, and he keeps eating. Hmm. I, I said, hey, what What just happened? You, you got up, you ran. He said, oh, uh, fire alarm. I'm a volunteer fireman. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. what, I mean, that's a trained ear. I didn't even hear the alarm. So Tony it's sometimes like is like that. Yeah. yeah. Tony hears the alarm and he swings in. So we appreciate okay. that. I yeah. Thanks, Tony. I, get the, yeah. I hear my text. It's like, oh, no, what, what's going on? You yeah, know, what's going on now? Do you need help with okay, this? Okay, do this. <laughs> yeah. Tony anticipates uh, the issues. So yeah. very glad to have him. Hey, there are a couple Only because I've made all those mistakes already. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know. Uh, there were some uh, after-hours contributions that people made in the chat. You know, oh. when you when you sign on later and watch our show, you're able to make a contribution. There's a heart there as you watch on YouTube with a dollar sign. And if you click it, you can make a contribution. And people do. And I just wanted to acknowledge um, Sausalito Victoria. Oh. She said, Mark's Madness has been fun. Thanks. Vicky gave us $49.99. I mean, that is, uh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much, Vicky, for that. Really cool. And uh, that's one of the contributions. I also saw that um, another Vicky, Vicky Wade, on YouTube, gave us four ninety nine. Thank you for that. And so these are all just contributions. And finally, that Lazica Concrete in the five one zero, they jumped on and threw us twenty bucks. So it's just cool. It's a cool way to support the show. If you see something you like or you want to support the show, it's right there on YouTube, and you can do it. Yeah, there they are. And speaking of Mark's madness, 
Yeah, Mark's Madness, the Good Day Sir mug is... Good Day Sir! You must get it, have it, display it, use it. It's pretty terrific. I have to say that Mark's Madness had some real surprises. I, um... Something that this country has really never witnessed. We really hadn't witnessed one like this before. I was just looking, trying to find the uh, brackets as they blew up all over the place. I have a problem. Hmm. It's an ongoing issue. Oh. You can see we that. We are truly in uncharted territory. Oh, let's find out how uncharted it is. Go I have ahead. this. Uh, you see, I misspelled Sausalito. Oh, did you? The problem is. <laughs> Sausalito? The, the I on my keyboard oh, no. is, is broken. Wait a minute. I, I what? Oh, I don't God. have. It's why I couldn't type in Victoria or Vicky. Oh. Or the I in the, the oh. third concrete company, because I, I don't have an I on my keyboard that works. So I have to constantly. Oh my God, wait a minute. You know what this means. I'm trying to find words that don't have I's. I think we all heard what Kim was talking about. What am I going to do she without my I? She disguises it. She disguises oh. it as a complaint about her I. But we know what the truth is. You should see me reading a newscast. She doesn't have the funds. No I. For an I. And so, today, as you watch our show, think about what you can spare. Maybe you can become a Patreon member. Maybe you can contribute to our PayPal. I'm not saying that your monies will first go to getting Kim her I. We'll get Kim her I. But will she get the valuable medication that she needs every day just to show up to this show? I don't know. There's only so much money to go around. Oh. Money for the keyboard, money for her medicines. TheMarkThompsonShow.com Click on Patreon or PayPal. TheMarkThompsonShow.com Wow, oh Kim. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. The Mark Thompson Show. California may actually be in a position to regain control of Congress using a super PAC funding effort that's already put together tens of millions of dollars. They're ready to spend $35 million in our state. Could, could they control Congress? It's going to um, depend on a lot of things, but the super PAC is... One of the places they'll be getting the funds. Let me put my credibility glasses on, and I'll tell you more about it. Um, in the 2022 midterm campaigns, uh, I think maybe $10 million was spent in California from this pack. Now, they're, they're ready to spend $35 million. Um, Democrats can't retake the House without winning seats back in California, said a congressional forecaster. Democrats' strategic decisions have historically teetered between the need to win House seats in states like California and the cost of campaigning in areas with expensive media markets. In the November election, the party suffered the consequences for not spending big in California. Lost some close races here. So now, again, it's I think it's a sad fact, of course, and I'm sure you'd agree, most of you, that 
it takes so much money to win a political race and that politics in this country comes down to money in so many different ways. But despite despite Democrats' overwhelming voter registration advantage in California, there are several competitive congressional districts because they are drawn by an independent commission that pays no heed to protecting office holders. Excuse me. The Republicans' main congressional super PAC invested heavily in the state to protect the party's incumbents, won an open seat in the Central Valley, nearly knocked out a Democrat. And so you had Kevin McCarthy winning the speaker's gavel, right? He's from Bakersfield. And the margin of victories was small. California is critical to the path said a former senior Pelosi advisor. We want to lay a marker down early. They're allowed to raise unlimited sums, as you know, the PAC is, from donors for independent expenditures on individual races. And I think there, yeah, there are. There are contribution limits on the national parties, but... These super PACs, these um, House Majority PACs, allowed to raise unlimited sums of money. It may come down to dropping a ton of money in media buys here in California. Uh, There were examples they point to, funding campaigns. It's going to be difficult. There is a real fight over California, even in this state, which is overwhelmingly Democrat. It may seem odd, but it's a fact. Democrats will have a better chance in a number of California congressional districts because 2024 is a presidential election year. That means greater turnout among young people generally, minorities as well, and other voters who tend to favor Democratic candidates. We're going to have much, much higher Democratic turnout, said one political expert. Anyway, they are going to spend significantly here, so we will see. But, I mean, it comes down to a handful of seats, right? And so the Republican super PAC is expected to spend a similar amount in California. This is going to, well, you're going to see (laughs) political ads every five seconds, you know. And you find political ads still dominating television and radio. That's legacy media. Like right now you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on a podcast, it's, That's really contemporary media in a way that reflects general viewing trends. People are trending away from legacy media, traditional media, television, radio. Look, I love television and radio too, so I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying that there's a trend away from it. Still, the spend is overwhelmingly toward those things. Now, increasingly, there is some internet presence, and you'll find Google ads, and you'll find any number of political ads sort of in that space, but it's been, I think it's been a slow move to that platform. Anyway, stand by for a huge push from the Democrats and this super PAC. They could spend $35 million in the state of California. That would be insane. I mean, you'll just see wall-to-wall uh, politics when uh, when you tune in to anything the mark thompson show you may have um seen 
the advertisements for free cash from the state of California to help you buy your first home. That's a real thing. That program does exist. But free cash. Yeah. To buy a house. The bad news is they're already out of money. What? Yeah. The California Housing Finance Agency launched the California Dream for All Shared Appreciation Loan Program. They could have maybe come down with a better name, a little shorter, but all right. California Dream for All Shared Appreciation Loan Program. I guess if you know you're going to run out of money real quickly, you don't need to come up really sweat the name too much. They offered qualified first-time buyers up to 20% of the purchase price of a house or condominium. The help was available only to households whose earnings were below a certain income limit, right? That's $180,000, by the way. Um, that was in L.A. County. In Orange County, it was 235000 State lawmakers had set aside $500 million for the program. But because of the fiscal shortfall, right, the program essentially was only allocated $300 million. Was going to help twenty three hundred home buyers. Well, on Friday, they announced we've helped everybody we can. If you're not already in the pipeline, you're out of luck. Good day, sir. <laughs> well, at least for now, more funds are going to be available in the program at some point. They're saying, but they cannot predict what point that will be. So. Sorry, first-time home buyers. Yeah, a bit of a miscalculation is exactly right. So, uh, I mean, it was a good thought, but it just kind of went away quickly. Yeah, a little bit disappointing. The Mark Thompson Show. I got a um, note, Kim, and it was a little bit hurtful, to be honest. Oh. Um, do you want the... Let me see if I can find it. The hurtful note. I'd like the uh, I'll hurtful just, note. Would you? The essence of it is that it's always good to have a little bit of comeuppance. You know? Yeah, you're right. Maybe it keeps me, you know, keeps me humble. Right. Hard to believe I could be more humble than I am. <laughs> Still immensely humble. What essentially they said was, uh, Mark, and I think it's shown up here in the chat, maybe as well. Mark, that jacket has seen better days. Everybody has an opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, I would say, how dare you? Secondly, I would say, this look of this jacket hasn't changed in years. This is the look. But let me be fair to your comment. It, My favorite jacket, so I was wearing it a lot, and I started to worry that I'm going to wear it out. And so I actually... Uh, this is a couple of years ago, went to one of those, you know, custom places where you can get suits made and all the rest. You know, Kim, you have your stuff all uh, custom made. Um, and I said, I need a jacket and I, I need it exactly like this one. Just knock off this one. So they measured, blah, 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 blah. So I got the jacket and it's awful. I hate it. And the reason for that is because it doesn't have the distressed look. Oh. It's the fabric. It's It looks too new. Mm-hmm. I didn't want a new-looking jacket, and I made it clear. I said, I like this fabric, this 
So yeah, but that's the patina of a well-worn jacket. It can't yes, be recreated. You. You're right. right. Yeah. yeah, but patina is a dang word. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think on some level you're you're exactly right. Um, I have a I have some law and disorder. I was going to add to law and disorder the gun situation in Kentucky. Now I'm putting aside the gun situation in Kentucky until Bill Mann joins at the bottom of the hour. So uh, these are the tough decisions that have to be made. Should we do like a mini law and disorder now? And then I can put, but it's going to be minus the gun stuff. Are like we good that. with that? I think that's right. good. Yeah. A lot Tony, of questions about the yeah. jacket. Okay. We All got right. time. <laughs> what did you say about the jacket? Uh, what? Questions about the jacket. First of all, um, I want to know what your response was. I, I look at the jacket as like a Mr. Rogers situation. Oh. You know, and you come in, you keep the jacket in the studio every day, you put it on. And before mm. you leave the studio, you take it off. It's just kind of like a show jacket, right? Oh, I see. But apparently yeah. Square says his wife is always asking why you don't wear the Mark Thompson show shirt. Uh, yeah, you're right. I should. I guess I try to display the Mark Thompson stuff in right. behind me. Like even the mug, I should drink out of it. But instead, I thought I'd keep it there so people could see it. But you're right. I should just – because if I have the mug, it'll sit down here. No one will be able to see it. So uh, similarly with the shirt, though, I should wear the shirt. You're right. I, I, I take that note. Maybe I will start wearing the shirt. Um, yeah, you're right. Maybe I'll start wearing the merch. Good. Yeah. Um, the jacket I feel comfortable in. It is my favorite jacket. And so there is a quality of what Kim's talking about, which is I sort of keep it on deck for the show because it's my favorite jacket. But um, anyway, I'm. Uh, uh, these are good questions. Thank you. These are very good questions indeed. Uh, by the way, while I'm in the middle of a digression, uh, I want to mention that I was on a really fun show. Oh. And I believe uh, um, we have it. Film The Film Crickets, it's called. And you can see it up. Uh, there it is. The Film Crickets, they're a show. And... They reached out to me. They reached out to me. And they said, uh, will you join us? We talk about movies from, I think, the 80s and 90s is what they said. They gave me dates, like 1980. I forget the actual dates, but the, it's their thing is 80s and 90s movies, okay? They, they look back at different movies. And they review and talk about the movies and what the staying power of the movie is. And you can see, does it hold up? And... And it was really fun. And I picked, I, I gave them a list of movies. I, some were comedies, some were a, a short list, but a list that kind of was, had a pretty good cross section, maybe six movies. Was and it they a chose, list of movies with you in it? No, 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 no. No, it wasn't Mark Thompson show, Mark Thompson movie? <laughs> that, that would have been a better conversation. Right. Do you know who I am? Yes, exactly. I'm kind of a big deal. I thank you. Maybe for next time. But uh, I chose Full Metal Jacket, Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. So if you have an interest in, it's a, I think it's about an hour-long podcast talking about Full Metal Jacket, but we digress into Kubrick and all the rest. Uh, it's there, the film critics, they're right here on YouTube, the very best place on earth. So you can find them and watch and enjoy. Uh, there is, uh, I'll warn you, there, there are some, I don't say the F word, Kim, you know, I am... But there is a little effing and, you know, oh. essing. Yeah, but it's not... Um, Be prepared. Yeah, 
it's so weird when we don't have it on our show and somebody says it, it's like, oh, wait. <laughs> I know. It's that but, carryover from radio. You know, when when someone says like a, a drops an F-bomb and everyone in the whole studio, their eyes get wide and everyone kind of goes, oh, yeah, at the yeah, same yeah, time. You're right. Yeah, you're and, right. And, and that's exactly right what Kim's saying. It's a holdover from radio. I just don't, you know, I'm just in that place where um, – this is very nice. Mark, you could wear anything and look like a stud. Isn't that oh. nice? Well, thank you very much. And, you know, I can't. Who am I to disagree? All right. Uh, smash the like button like a boss. When we come back. Smash it with your iron rod. We'll catch up on that lawn disorder, I promise. Special guest Bill Mann, who splits life between America and Canada. So he lives in the United States of guns and the Canadian provinces without guns. I'm curious just to talk to him for a minute about how Canada views the neighbors to the south and just how a Canadian, and he has, uh, I think, a son living in Canada now also, uh, just how the Canadians, you know, so close to us in so many ways, yet culturally differ from us in this dramatic way. When it comes to guns. So, again, smash the smash like button. With your iron Thanks rod. for being here, Mark Thompson. I've told you, it's never easy being in this business. The Mark Thompson Show. Oh, yeah. It's the Mark Thompson Show. I'm Kim McAllister. Kentucky police say the 25-year-old gunman behind yesterday's mass shooting at a bank was an employee there. Five people are dead, more than a half dozen injured, as the shooting at the Old National Bank in downtown Louisville is still under investigation. Police said the officers exchanged a gunfire with the shooter who was killed at the scene. The word is the man had been told he was going to be uh, let go or fired from his job and came back with a weapon. A grand jury is hearing evidence this week in connection with the eight Akron, Ohio police officers involved in the death of Jalen Walker. A 25-year-old black man was shot 46 times during a traffic stop in 2022. That incident sparked riots in Akron last summer, and now business in businesses in downtown Akron have boarded up windows ahead of word on whether the officers should face criminal charges. State of California taking even more action to ensure women have access to abortions. Sue Dunlap is the CEO of Planned Parenthood Los Angeles. She brought local leaders together yesterday in L.A. for an update, saying abortion is under attack. The state has secured an emergency stockpile of up to 2 million misoprostol pills, uh, misoprostol pills rather, that can be used on their own uh, to end pregnancies. This comes after a Texas judge banned another medication last Friday that works with a second drug. Governor Gavin Newsom says he won't cave to extremists trying to outlaw these critical abortion services. California, by the way, also shares the nation's negotiated terms of its misoprostol purchase to help other states secure the drug at a low cost and protect access to abortion medication. Meaning meaning that we pool money into those funds associated with trying to get the, what does that mean that we share the, say it how, again? Uh, is the, the negotiated terms. So I see. What, okay. how we dealt with the drug companies and the right. government to get yeah. a hold of this medication and stockpile it. So right. we'll share how we to, did that. Right. right. And it, right. It speaks to pricing too, I think. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. 
The global economy in a better place than predicted, despite the ongoing war in Ukraine. While speaking from Washington, D.C., Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said energy and food prices have stabilized and supply chain pressures are easing. She says she doesn't anticipate a downturn in the U.S. economy. And French President Emmanuel Macron is sparking outrage after he suggested Europe take a separate stance from the U.S. on Taiwan. During his three-day trip to China last week, Macron stated it would be the worst thing for Europe to adapt to the American uh, rhythm or a Chinese overreaction. Political officials on both sides of the Atlantic criticized his statement as being too accommodating to China. Well, but, I, but he said it in that French accent, which is so... So it makes uh, it okay? Yeah, yeah exactly. It just it sounded so a little good. snotty. That's all. You yeah, know. But, but, that, but it sounds already so, you know, <laughs> the French thing doesn't... Yeah, love so it. So did you see the Jimmy Kimmel piece with uh, Jeremy Renner last night? Yes, that was something. I, I saw the a, a bit of the interview, like five minutes of it, ten minutes of it. Yeah, so during the interview... Renner is talking about this video that Paul Rudd sent him while he was in the hospital recovering from being hit by a snowplow. During the recent interview on Jimmy Kimmel Live, the actor said his Marvel Cinematic Universe co-star made him a fake cameo video. So cameo is one of those things where you can pay a celebrity and they'll say, happy birthday, Mark, whatever. They don't know you, but they act oh, yeah. like they do. Oh, yeah. So, we, did, we did one here. Albert did one for me. Oh, with so Janine, nice. With Janine Pirro. He knows oh. I hate Janine Pirro. So they got Janine Pirro on to talk about how, Mark, I know you're a big Trump fan. Oh, God. And you want to see the president. But it was pretty funny. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So Rudd makes Renner a, a cameo video, pretending like he's sending a well wish to a, fa- a fan. But in the video, Rudd asks if Renner got in a fight with a snowblower. He said, next time, maybe you just let the snow melt. Renner broken more than 30 bones, at least 35 bones, he said, in his body and suffered blunt chest trauma in that incident. His attitude is amazing. He's yeah, just he was so pretty positive. Upbeat. Yeah. Right? I, I, I thought he was uh, a goner, and I guess he did, too. It was pretty miraculous that he was sitting there on that set last night on a talk show talking yeah. to Kimmel. You know what's so – and I think everyone in the audience and, and at home watching thought – we're really lucky to be seeing him right now. But a lot of people, when they get in that chair, they're stiff and uncomfortable. And it's like, it takes them a minute to calm down. He just plopped in the chair. He had the most natural body language. Like, he just didn't have time for all the pretense. He's, it was a good interview. Yeah, I liked the, it too. The Mark Thompson Show is crowdfunded. Thank you for being a part of the MTS community, participating in the chat spending your time with us today. If you would like to support the show, please consider being a Patreon member or supporting us via PayPal. You can find those links and much more at themarkthompsonshow.com. I'm Kim McAllister on The Mark Thompson Show. They had to close down an entire radio station to silence him. And now he's here. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Thompson. The Mark Thompson Show. My wife wants 
some vegetables for Cruda Day. I was a basketball referee. Feels great, baby. Who's Mark Thompson? It's unbelievably offensive. What he's got going here is a situation. I was fortunate. Everyone I worked with made me better at my job. You are a cover-up artist, and you are a liar. What up, everybody? It is our uh, Big Tuesday show. Coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, the Pulitzer Prize winner, David K. Johnston. I want to talk to him about these judicial rulings and how justices, federal judges across this country and the Supreme Court as well, are wrestling from major government organizations charged with regulation the power to regulate. And the most recent case is these uh, drugs that involve the reproductive rights and the difficult choices that women make with their own body. So we'll get to that in the 11 o'clock hour. This is kind of a treat. This guy wrote about media in the Bay Area, lived in the Bay Area for years, radio, television, and uh, moved away, still does a lot of writing, and writes on media as well. And his basic musings show up in his columns that are now more occasional as he has moved to a quieter life. But uh, he's an interesting guy to talk to, I think, in view of the problem we clearly have with guns in this country. Because he both lives in this country and has a foot in Canada as well. I'll ask him to explain that. But I was talking to him the other day and he was sort of talking about the way Canadians treat guns and then coming into this country, how we treat guns. It's just, it's such a radically different view. And I wonder how those two places can exist close, so close to each other. And yes, culturally, it can be so different. Anyway, a welcome for Bill Mann, everybody. Hi, Bill. Hi. So good to have you here. So, Bill, tell everybody, you're you're living in America, but you're connected to Canada how? Well, you can see Canada from the end of the street here over in British Columbia. But uh, I lived in Canada for seven years in Montreal, and uh, I had a ball up there. I did a radio show in French, um, just fell into it, and fell in love with the city. And I think I was the only American I ever met up there who was not up there because of the draft. I went up because I wanted to go up and I love the place. And only when I came back into this country after seven years, did I realize how disgusting our drug, our drug, our gun laws are. My son is a Canadian citizen. He lives up in Vancouver and um, we go up there all the time. So we're in Canada quite often. And the first question they usually ask you at the border is, do you have any firearms? It's that deeply ingrained. And when you're an American, you go, you should be asking how many firearms I have. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> what, what, um, so, so tell me what the, um, as I say, with your son up there and with you a frequent visitor having lived there, tell me how it happens that our culture evolves. What's your thought on this with such a death grip on guns? And that culture exists with a clear sense that guns are a bad part of society that need to be limited. Well, there's there's something that I never learned in the U.S. I learned in Canada. The difference was in the U.S., we had cowboys and a lot of Indians who were shot and killed. And we had a civil war. Canada never had that. The Mounties would come in and take over. And there were very few battles with the Indians. Ergo, guns did not get carried around by the average citizen. 
I see. So it really it really goes back to the pioneer lifestyle, you think, in America. Or the lack thereof. Yeah, or the, in Canada. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then as you see it evolving, I mean, we, as I say, have this notion about guns. It's woven into the cultural fabric here. It's horrifying. And we've taken it to real extreme levels. Like, it's not enough to have a you know, the pistol in the holster, like the pioneer life that you're talking about, or, uh, you know, the the rifle. Uh, now we need uh, assault weapons, weapons of war. They become sort of like the Humvees of uh, in the personal protective gear business, meaning I think there's a lot of image tied up in these things more than, you know, any kind of utility. Yeah, I think that's true, but... Um... I did not see anything coverage two months ago when Canada banned handguns. Did you see anything in the media around you? No. I mean, that's a big story, but, you know, nothing. You know, just how cute Justin Trudeau is. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, this is. Did you post this, uh, Kim? I didn't see the Karen, Karen's post. Did you put it up there already? I, I did. It. I liked it. I'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, do it again. <laughs> when we both try to do it, it goes away. <laughs> uh, Canadians say that living next to the USA is like living above crackheads. Canadians saying that living, uh, yeah, um, next to the USA is like living next to the guy whose car horn is stuck and is always blasting. I mean, is there a sense that the Americans are just, you know, what is the sense Canadians have of Americans? Maybe that's what I should just ask. It's pretty much the people with the horns blasting. Um, we play a little game when we go up to, uh, Canada, which is quite often. And can you spot the Americans in a restaurant? And yes, you can. They're always louder than anybody else. And Canadians are well aware of that. And they're nice people. So they don't really make an issue of it that much. Certainly when they come down and visit us, but you know, Canadians are, uh, much more cultured people and much more peaceful when we came back we didn't think much about guns in canada because they were never really a present but when we moved back to the united states you immediately started thinking that this guy could blow me away with his gun i mean it's really an ugly feeling how is crime in general in canada norm wants to know canada does have crime and very occasionally they have uh, mass shootings, very seldom. There was one at Dawson College in Montreal. And after that, Canada started cracking down on guns. And you can still have shotguns and what they call long guns up there, but you have to be part of the long gun registry. So and this, this, this you'll, you'll always get. And, and of course, this is true. But what I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a broader point. But let me just read his point, Randy. Yeah. Guns aren't just woven into the society in the U.S., There is a constitutional right to own them. The Second Amendment needs to be changed or repealed. And he's right. Uh, But it's interpretation and the broad interpretation of that amendment that uh, I think has led us down. So you can, uh, there's a constitutional right to own them. No, there's a constitutional right that's that's, uh, specified in the Constitution such that it can be widely interpreted. Well, just to show you how, speaking of the Constitution, Canadians have a constitutional hatred of guns. A few years ago, we were staying with our friend in Halifax, Nova Scotia. 
and the Prime Minister of Canada at the time, Jean Chrétien, was going through the airport in Charlottesville, uh, Prince Edward Island, and somebody hit him with a pie. And I turned to my Canadian friend, and we said, he could have been killed by some guy with a gun. And she absolutely refused to believe that anybody would have a gun, even around the prime minister. We just couldn't convince her. And she she took offense at the fact that we thought Canadians might pull out a gun and shoot the prime minister. She really did. It's that strong. It's it, Yeah, right. There's the, there's the sense that it could never happen. But the reality is, you know, well, we prove it every day in this country. And this Kentucky thing is somebody with a beef, right? Somebody with a, a, a grievance of some kind. And then there was a second shooting not far from Louisville yesterday. And one was dead, one is wounded. That's outside of Louisville College, this community college outside of downtown Louisville. So Kentucky, you know, had more than their share. Um, maybe, maybe they were members of a well-regulated militia. Thank you. Canada bans new handgun sales in latest gun control action. That's from Reuters. That's how it looked. But you're right. It was really not widely reported by American media. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. I told told you I'm from a military background and um, grew up in Army bases. My father was a career Army officer. And I lived at Army bases uh, in, uh, in New York, in Hawaii, in Colorado. And you do not see guns on army bases. Now, where are they? They are locked in the armory. The military police have guns. That's the cops. And occasionally you'll see them taken out of the armory for parades. But growing up in the military, you had a healthy respect for guns and you just didn't see them except on special occasions. The politics of... I'm going to go back to Canada for a second. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. speaks to it, right, on military bases, of course. I mean, you think those are all people who can responsibly handle a weapon, and yet they don't keep the weapons out in circulation. They keep them in the armory. Well, they're, let me ask well-regulated, you about- they're well-regulated militia. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, before I let you go, tell me, yeah. the, the Canadian, the politics of Canada is, a, a, it's parliamentary politics, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And the... Um- the Liberal Party of British Columbia just changed their name. They're not called the Liberals anymore because they were really conservative. So British Columbia is run by a socialist party. And that's another thing Americans don't know. The NDP, New Democratic Party, British Columbia is run by whores, socialists. Can you imagine <laughs> that? Socialists. So, that's what. What? Yes. Socialists yes. and no guns. How can that country possibly survive? Well, we have socialism here, of course, in so many different ways, but people just don't like to tag it with right, the uh, title. Right. Uh, uh, hey, Bill, love visiting with you. Thank you for uh, being a supporter. Bill's a regular uh, listener, checks in. And, awesome. Uh, I am. Yeah. yeah so really, really cool. lo- love the show. Go ahead, Kim. I'm sorry. I, I have a question. Uh, it, this is for Mark. Have you ever made a Bill Mann column? Like, did you ever get, you know, see your name in, in the column? Oh, I used to look with great yeah. anticipation. I, yeah. I yes, yeah, absolutely. That's when I you did. know you've made it. If you if you yeah. showed up in the man column, you knew. Bill did I a report- big. <laughs> I reported something that Mark did once. It still cracks me up. He was doing the weather on Channel Four, and he lost his graphics. And Mark turns to the camera and ad libs, "The union guys must be upstairs <laughs> comparing dental plans." Right. <laughs> And you told me the IBEW filed a grievance against you. 
Yeah, it was not. Uh, it, it was said in jest, but they didn't appreciate it. Right. That's uh, funny. The um, the first profile Bill did. Bill did like a profile of me. He spent oh. the afternoon with me <laughs> because we did an evening newscast. And I was going to a live remote. Sure. And I used to not quite as bad with this anymore, but this is years ago. Drive very aggressively, but I mean extremely aggressively. And Bill, poor Bill, is in the car. And I used to drive my own car to the live remote. You know, and that was my big thing, neighborhood weather. I go out to different neighborhoods. Now you yeah. see weather guys do it. It wasn't really done much at the time. And uh, poor Bill, I had to peel him off the ceiling when we got to our uh, destination. And then in his column, he wrote, and I, I, I'm ruining this, Bill, but you said uh, Mark Thompson's not a type A driver. He's a type AA driver, AAA driver, or whatever, something to that effect. It was because I'm so impatient and so aggressive in traffic. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's what, made you, that's what made you great, along with the good pipes. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Mark, Bill, has, Mark has the best pipes. Uh, thank you, pal. Well, it's so <laughs> great to still be in touch with you. And, uh, and you still do write. I mean, you still do your writing. I do. And I yeah. hope you keep hammering away in the gun people. I'm just so fed up with these people. I used to write for Huffington Post, and I would write anti-gun pieces, and these drooling idiots would follow me around for years. So it's we a, feel the same way about guns. It's a, it's a tough sickness. It's a tough notion to even conceive of that we could endure this kind of carnage and do nothing about it. It's go just, to Canada. Go to Mark's listeners and viewers. Go to Canada this summer and see the difference. Yeah, wild. All right, one more time, Bill Mann, everybody. Thanks, Bill. Hi. Thanks, Mark. Yep, loved it. The Mark Thompson Show. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, Mark Thompson. Good times. Good times. Who's Mark Thompson? Stand corrected. I misspoke. My words upset so many people. My bad. I'm sorry. Y'all can all go to hell, and I'm going back to Texas. Joe Fish, Sal the Shoemaker, Joe Box, and Little Anthony. What he's got going here is a situation. There's a reason that this place is fun. Someone did this to spoil our Christmas. I have never heard of something like that. There is nothing in our history that quite compares to this. Nobody has ever put something like this together that I've ever seen. We've never seen anything like it before. I have a busy week. I think I'm the most honest human being, perhaps, that God ever created. God bless America. Do I hit it long? Is Trump strong? Who is having that conversation? How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. The science is ridiculous. It's fantastic. This is a word from the Lord, and he's not happy. Where are my weed smokers at? Isn't anybody been a weed? It was wrong, it was stupid, and I'm trying to be a better person.
seriously? What the f***? Yeah, I know I messed that up, Tony. Wait, wait, you know, Tony, give me a Thanks, break. Tony. I'm doing a lot of stuff over here, okay? I don't need that look, that face, where you go, oh, Mark screwed that up. He hit the wrong button. I just jumped, I was ready to jump into action. Like, Oh, oh my wait, wait. God. Of course I hit the wrong thing. I've got to hit this thing and that thing, and then I've got something else for the content. Throw a brother a break. My God. Morning. Yes. Uh, I wanted to mention to you a, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, thanks again for, to Bill Mann for, uh, for dropping through and uh, talking. Thanks to all of you for... Um, uh, oh, this is interesting. For I was going to say for adding to the mix. James says, Hi, Mark. Tell Kim there is an alternative way to insert the letter I. Oh. I lowercase uh, I use combination alt number pad 105 and uppercase I. Oh, I think that that's perfectly. Um... What? <laughs> what? You just don't get it. I don't do you? get it. I, you no, don't. I do not. I do not get it. Let me read All it right. again. There's I don't. I, I can't. I lowercase First of all, you can uh, use a combination of alt plus the number pad. Okay. 105 and uppercase L, I guess that would be. Use combination alt plus number pad 73. Hmm. Alt? I'm, yeah. You do not know what you are talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, right. I, James, I thank you for that. I appreciate any help I can get. And I will practice your, your tricks. I'm going to yeah. copy and paste that into my email and look at it later and see if I can't mess around with it. Yeah. Eric, I think, pretty much has it, which is, uh, yes, I'm sure she wants to do that every time she needs to type in. <laughs> <laughs> so Trevor, anyway. Trevor in, the, in the chat told me earlier that I should just, every time I have to type an I, use an exclamation point because it's like an upside down I. Oh, sure. Okay. So that's my new thing. I'm doing that. Oh, I see. I love that everybody's getting in on this. Nick writes that the E with the accent is alt plus 0233. <laughs> I don't have an alt. Is my, I don't. I have a MacBook oh, Air, yeah, so right. I don't have an alt. Uh, yeah. Get Tony on the job, says Grady. Yeah, really. Nice, Tony. I need Tony. Yeah. I'm just going to um, send my whole computer to Tony and hope for the best. I say just uh, push, yeah. push one. Usually, you know, just use the number one instead of I. To make it That's simple. your solution, yeah. Tony. Yeah, that to buy yeah. a new keyboard. Well, because you have MacBook Air, you can just get yeah. a little external keyboard for like. Got to go for bucks. the simple solution sometimes. I think sure. Gail just fixed it. There we go. Gail Guthrie, external here's twenty keyboard. bucks for a new keyboard. Exactly. Thank you, thank you, Gail. You're Gail. lovely to do that. You want something clickbaity, or you want something? Um... Now, I've got yeah, really clickbaity. Oh, great. Clickbaity. Guns, and I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling all depressed. I need a clickbaity thing. All right. Well, this would be good. How would you like to extend that depression forever? No, you could live no. forever. That's right. Mm. Experts claim, and I'll put my credibility glasses on for this, that humans could achieve immortality by 2030. One futurist even says we'll be able to attend our own funerals in a new body. An ex-Google engineer said that he thinks humans will achieve immortality by 2030. And I'm no expert on the calendar. But I think it's 
2023. Am I right about that? So 2030, and I'm no expert on math, but that's soon. Uh, reanimating your brain, Kim, and uploading your mind to the cloud okay. could be the key to achieving a sort of immortality. That's so self-centered and egotistical. That's America, and those nothing are will go wrong beings. with doing that. Yes. I mean, why nothing. do I think that somehow my brain is necessary for the furtherance of humanity? Oh no, it's because we all—I'm telling you—are stars of our own movie. Oh, you know, God. we're all John Wick. We're all the stars. Uh, it sounds far-fetched, but scientists have been looking for years into ways that we can regenerate ourselves or upload our minds in into a computer and, in a sense, achieve eternal life. Electronic immortality. The idea of uploading your mind to a computer has been theorized for many years, but it has mostly remained the stuff of science fiction. Nectome, a U.S.-based startup, He's trying to change that by devising a way to preserve the human brain so that memories can be uploaded to the cloud. They have figured out a way to preserve the human brain in microscopic detail using, quote, high-tech embalming. And this is an MIT Technology Review article that discusses a chemical solution that can keep the body intact for hundreds or even thousands of years as a statue, essentially, of frozen glass. Why? Nectome is providing a service, Kim, please, when you ask why. Lord. What if we told you you could come back in hundreds of years? The key to recreating your personal consciousness involves accessing the connectome, which they've is a term, clearly they've... I think they've invented it. It's a complex web of neural connections in the brain. It's the brain's wiring system. This company, Nectome, which has been referred to as a preserve your brain and upload it company, (laughs) has figured out a way to embalm the connectomes, that is that web of connections in the brain as well. In order to, this is kind of a hitch, in order to, allow the technology to work, participants have to be willing to be euthanized. Would you be okay with that, Kim? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Bring it on. In the hopes that I'll be alive later? It was a like, little like... Die today they, for immor- immortality tomorrow? They left yeah. that out of the pitch initially. Oh. Can was, you let him finish, sir? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Will you let the guy finish? Uh, he wants you to euthanize yourself uh, here. We'll actually help you with it. So they literally had an MIT contract, and they lost that contract because it was now... There's one thing we have to tell you. You have to be willing to be euthanized. Can you let him finish, sir? So I'll post this article if you want to read more about it. You can read about it on my Twitter feed, at Mark T. Live is what I am on Twitter. But it's a sort of immortality. It would be nice if technology could be applied to saving this planet or to stop killing this planet uh, as doggedly as technology is being applied to human immortality. But... I guess that's just the human animal. The great David K. Johnson, the Pulitzer Prize winner, will talk about judicial overreach. Might the FDA just be a thing of the past? Now we have judges who are going to 
make decisions on what drugs should be available to you based on 1870s law. Smash the like button like a boss. Smash it with your iron rod. Kim's News next, and then the great David K. Johnston. The Mark Thompson Show. On the Mark Thompson Show, I'm Kim McAllister. Let's start with some drugs, shall we? The Biden administration is cracking down on the flow of fentanyl into the United States. The plan includes issuing sanctions to financially cripple illegal drug syndicates in Mexico and ramping up efforts to target money laundering activity. The White House is also calling on Congress to permanently classify fentanyl-related substances as Schedule I drugs. Another Tennessee lawmaker recently expelled from the state's House of Representatives could be reappointed soon. That is uh, Justin Pearson, and officials say a vote to reinstate him will take place on Wednesday. Pearson and recently reappointed Justin Jones were ousted last week for protesting gun violence on the House floor after a deadly shooting, a school shooting, I should say, in Nashville. And President Biden has signed a bill ending the national COVID emergency. Is this it? Is it truly and officially over? The GOP-led resolution was opposed by most Democrats in the House, but the White House has said it would not veto the measure if it made it to, to President Biden's desk, the White House wanting to wind down the national emergency on May 11th. Well, the or, access to funds, the public's access to funds for those who need it, um, right. health-related issues, um, that is to say health, health-related to uh, COVID, that's all going to go away. The so paying it, for the vaccines, a, all of that. That's right. Yeah, the economic relief, essentially, for those who needed it. Yeah, it's all going away. Go ahead. This sorry. is the homeless encampment in Oakland. It's on Wood Street. It has been the blight and danger with more than 100, more than 100 fires at that encampment, some of them serious enough to close down overpasses leading to and from the Bay Bridge. Well, finally, after many legal maneuverings, crews began removing tons of debris yesterday on Wood Street. They towed away 12 vehicles. Officials believe they can provide shelter for about 70 people that were living at Wood Street. The eviction process will take about two weeks to give everyone time to clear out. After the site is secure, construction can begin on a project to provide 170 units of permanent affordable housing. This is a a big deal and kind of tells a story about what's happening in the city of San Francisco. I don't know if you saw this one, Mark, but the Whole Foods in San Francisco is closed. One of them. South of Market? Yeah. It opened a year ago. The store shut its doors last night for good because of safety concerns of over their employees in the mid-market neighborhood. So yeah, yeah that's this, the, that's the one that I've I've been to many times. Yeah, they're closing. They're closing. Wow. They close it down. Yeah, that's it. That first of all, I mean, theft at that store. They don't even have the you know the they had the baskets and then they have the carts. They don't right. have the baskets anymore because people were stealing. So they're they're wow. out of basket. They were done. So many so much theft and their employees coming to and from work in danger. City Supervisor Matt Dorsey says he is sadly 
not surprised, adding the problems have all to do with retail theft and drugs. He thinks this location will be able to reopen at some point, but no word on when. It's it was a good the, spot, and they've got a guy yeah. there. They've got like a security guy there, but he's you know he's basically just for show, I suppose. But it's too bad. It, it really is too bad. I mean, San Francisco's the, getting such a bad. I told I went down the the crime stats for you yesterday. It's not you know when it comes to violent crime, our stats are really good. But you know when it comes to stealing stuff, it's pretty much just another day at the office. We really you know you have to everything that's not nailed down is being stolen. Well, this was, I mean, uh, there was a brand new apartments that were built nearby a whole, you know, kind of village that sure. sprung up. All the the businesses and companies, although a lot of people aren't going to work anymore, were there as well. They thought this would be the perfect location for such a place. And I think it kind of tells the story broader, in a broader way, of what's happening in San Francisco, even more so than you know, the closing of a CVS drugstore or something else. Right. Is, right. you know. You. Yeah, because it was really supposed to be, a, it's a re- it's part of the renaissance that's occurred south of market over the last couple of decades. Yeah. So they're shutting down this whole store. And again, it's it's only been open for a year. It's The address is Trinity Place is the where yeah. where it is. But it's very visible. Um, it does, it seems like so many people use this store, but it's, you know, they're done. They're done. So that's going on in San Francisco. Lastly, a story for you about Betty White's former home. You would think someone would buy it and, you know, that maybe was a fan of hers that would revere the property. Yeah, well, no. she had two places, a place in Monterey, Carmel, and she had right. a place in L.A. and Brentwood. Well, her former home in the L.A. area has mm. been demolished. Oh, no. This is the home in Brentwood which Betty White bought in 1968. It sold for more than $10.6 million in June. After and they she demolished it? $10.6 million? And then they just... 10.6 mil. Crews are now laying a foundation, a new foundation on the property. TMZ says the new owners are building a massive mansion in the spot where White lived for decades. So, wow, yeah. she lived there with Alan Ludden, the old host of Password. They bought that place in Brentwood. We have a Brentwood in the Bay Area. And we have a Brentwood in yeah. Southern California. Hers is in Southern California. They bought it in wow. 1968. Mm. And she, you know, they kept it. She kept it and lived sure. in it and loved it. But oh. And it was a wonderful house, but apparently not good enough for somebody who paid $10.6 million to knock it down and start fresh. Well, yeah. So that's the way it is. The Mark Thompson Show, of course, is crowdfunded. We won't be knocking anything down and building a new one. Thank you for being part of the Mark Thompson Show community, participating in the chat, spending your time with us today. If you are so moved to financially support us, you can find the Patreon and PayPal links at themarkthompsonshow.com. And of course, the YouTube Super Chat is live. I'm Kim McAllister on the Mark Thompson Show. They had to close down an entire radio station to silence him. And now, he's here. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Thompson. The Mark Thompson Show. How about it for Tuesdays and the Pulitzer Prize winner, best-selling author, I I'm so privileged to be able to include him as a regular on this show. David K. Johnston, everyone. 
Co-founder of DCReport.org. Hi, David. I want to mention I saw a great uh, piece on DC Report um, uh, just just yesterday and uh, yesterday, the day before. Sorry, I don't know. The days run together. But um, I wanted to ask you at least start in this place, David, because we're seeing judges in America take hold of uh, life in America in more and more aggressive ways. And this is something that you talk about on DC Report and have spoken of before. I know you've stepped back a bit from DC Report, the daily uh, operations, but it continues to sort of have your uh, um, your sensibilities. And I think that's a real good thing because this is something that really, uh, it could be a watershed sort of change in the way life proceeds in America. And it's being driven by these justices at the federal level, many of whom uh, are, were populated by the last administration, by the Trump administration. Well, we have rules at the federal level, and so do most local jurisdictions, to prevent what's called judge shopping. Uh, Federal courthouses, there's a random number generator and says, your case goes to this judge. The problem is that in Amarillo, Texas, there's only one federal judge. So you had a group that is vehemently opposed to any form of abortion Uh, and uh, I would expect in a future litigation any form of birth control. And they were invented after the Dobbs decision last summer that reversed Roe versus Wade in Amarillo. They were given standing. Standing means you have a, a, a reason to be part of a lawsuit and to bring a lawsuit. And I'm astonished that they were granted standing except for this judge who is a a uh, very radical, uh, reactionary Trump appointee uh, in this in this case. Um, his decision violates a fundamental tenet of the judiciary. Uh, judges sometimes will write an opinion telling you they don't like a particular administration policy, and they will say something along the lines of, however, what it, regardless of the court's view of the administration's policy, our, posi- our, our authority does not extend to second-guessing uh, the administrative agency unless they have egregiously violated their own standards for reaching a decision. Uh, and there's a particular case I've written about that's been going on for 20 years on uh, oil pipelines and how they collect from customers federal income taxes, which they never have to give to the government. Uh, for the people who collect it, there's about 175 pipelines and it's a few thousand people. It's not the owners of the pipelines, the controlling owners and the executives get the money. It's uh, by my count over 2 billion a year or 3 billion a year. Congress says I'm wrong. It's 2 billion a year, but be that as it may, it's a lot of money to a handful of people. And the judge in the case keeps saying exactly this, you know, whatever I think of the decisions of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, it is not my position to second guess their judgment. And this judge, in his opinion, doesn't talk about fetuses. He talks about unborn people. And I think he's taking a signal here from the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs. My apologies, the darkest dog. I love it. Yeah, My apologies. The... um, uh, uh, it, because in Dobbs, you'll recall, the court cited as legal authorities for overturning what row two actual 17th century witch hunters. That's right. So, you know, this is... It, I mean, it, it, you're problem right. Here. There's a solution, by the way, to this problem. When you have a one-judge court, 
the answer to that is to consolidate several of the courts for filing purposes. And if you live in Amarillo and have to go uh, down to um, uh, uh, Dallas or Houston or some other populated center, maybe El Paso, well, tough luck because you, we shouldn't set up a system here to forum shop to get a particular judge, particularly when that judge is known for his uh, not following procedure. Yeah. I mean, he's a, uh, uh, he's a jihadist is what I, I mean. If you look back and see his, his, uh, uh, where he, right when he hit the street out of college. I mean, this was the top agenda item for him. I mean, he was, yes. he's been active in rolling back women's reproductive rights and trying to get this done, and he was finally in a position to do it. And uh, I, I think you make such a good point, David, and I'd, I'd forgotten sort of in the smoke of this latest thing that the Supreme Court decision quotes, you know, this centuries-old sort of uh, 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 ruling. And then, then he, this Texas judge, he points to an 1870s ruling. So you're, I mean, you're really, is this where the law is now, David K. Johnston? I mean, it's oh, just. I, I, this is a real fundamental problem that is a very new and modern problem. It's driven by the Federalist Society and Mitch McConnell. Uh, it is contrary to the tradition of American law. Now, American courts overall have tended to be for 240 years quite conservative. Judges tend to follow. They don't very often lead. Only during the uh, era when the Supreme Court was addressing racial inequities uh, and essentially beating up on dumb people, things like the Miranda decision, where you have to advise someone upon their arrest of their right to remain silent. Uh, at the time, back in the 60s, you know, there were all sorts of declarations. This would lead to gross lawlessness and law enforcement could never function again. And of course, that turned out to be utter nonsense. Um, but we've seen a willingness to embrace uh, criminal activity by law enforcement uh, or the federal agencies. I mean, a good example of this would be waterboarding, which dates to at least the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, we executed Japanese officers after World War II for waterboarding. And yet um, the George W. Bush White House, in an opinion by Professor John Yoo, now at uh, the UC Berkeley Law School, held that, uh, no, this was legal, never mind the uh, actions of our own government and the Geneva Treaty and other international law. And we need to be very troubled about, about that. Um, and I just let me add one little story to this. In the book Parting of the Waters, uh, which is about Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement. The, near the opening of the book, it's almost the opening story, uh, they tell of uh, civil rights lawyers before Judge Frank Johnson in Alabama, the, the first serious non-racist judge in Alabama. And he calls them into his chambers for a discussion and says, and they, they uh, make an argument. And uh, not in the book is that uh, the judge turns to my late father-in-law who represented segregationist schools he, before the Supreme Court, and people like that. A very principled man, but held deeply racist views. And my father-in-law says, well, Judge Johnson, I have 400 years of unbroken history on my side in this case. And the judge says, yes, you do, sir, until right now. Now, that's a different kind of activist here, because what Johnson was doing was stopping the second class treatment in the area that that litigation dealt with. 
uh, he wasn't uh, taking away rights from white people. You don't have a right to be abusive and and uh, to deny people the ability to vote or to send their kids to school. He was expanding the franchise. What we're seeing now is a dedicated effort to take away voting rights, make it harder to vote, take away rights for women. And in the case of out of Amarillo that uh, we have a DC report, this is a drug approved 22 years ago, which has proven enormously safe and far safer than any other option for ending a pregnancy. So the underlying basis of the judge's action is anti-science. Unfortunately, the Republican Party with its current leadership is anti-science. Kim had a question about the judges in this country and their general, the breadth of their ability to to rule on things. Kim, will you follow? I, I had an earlier question. I was just wondering about something because Mark was talking about, and you were just mentioning, how this drug has been available for more than 20 years, how a federal agency tasked with approving it had done all the research to do so. And so what business does the judge have then to come in and countermand the agency? And I, I had wondered what, if ever, if ever the judicial system or judges have been limited in the scope of what they can and can't rule on. And I did get an answer. Uh, John Daly texted me that uh, a League of Women Voters a thing about the Constitution making it clear with a few exceptions that Congress may decide what types of cases the court may hear and the procedures for doing so. This says that with enough political will and a willing president, it's within Congress's authority to limit the U.S. Supreme Court's power by restricting what type of appeals it may accept. I don't know if if we'll ever get to that point. It would be great if we could. Well, Kim, I mean, remember in all things in the law, it cuts both ways. Every sword can be a shield. Every shield can be a sword, which is in my first lecture to my law school students at Syracuse University every year. Um, in, in this matter, the Congress certainly can limit the jurisdiction of a district judge to his jurisdiction. That is, this judge can say uh, you cannot sell or provide this particular medication within this district Uh, until this is litigated. When circuit courts of appeal decide these things, generally their decisions are limited to the circuit they're in. And when we get conflicting decisions, so the Fifth Circuit in Houston, which is so conservative that its uh, longest serving judge um, uh, has held that a man on trial for his life whose lawyer was drunk, snored through most of the trial and never questioned a witness, had adequate representation of counsel and could be put to death. Um, whereas the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco and Los Angeles tends to have a little more humane view of the world. And when you get a conflict, then the Supreme Court tends to take these up. The Supreme Court will now take up this case. It may be a while, but they will take it up because we have, I think it's the Second Circuit and it'll go to the Fifth Circuit from Amarillo. But Absolutely, Congress can pass rules. And by the way, the Constitution doesn't say the Supreme Court has the right to rule what's unconstitutional. You can reasonably infer that from the Constitution. But it was in Marbury versus Madison in the early 1800s, dealing with a commission, a federal commission, that the outgoing administration of John Adams didn't deliver until after the new administration was in office and it was held to be invalid that the court upheld or invented 
reasonably invented, but invented the right to uh, hold things are unconstitutional. I don't know who else would do that, but we can certainly adopt rules about the Supreme Court. I think the most important one to adopt right now is for Congress to require that Supreme Court justices comply with judicial ethics rules that apply to every other judge in America. They apply to traffic court judges because we shouldn't have Clarence Thomas getting millions of dollars. And apparently it is, in fact, over the decades, millions of dollars in free vacations from Harlan Crow, who certainly wouldn't be taking him on vacation if he was a traffic court judge. (laughs) By the way, a job that I think Justice Thomas is well suited for. Yeah, you said before, I think, that, that you, you have no problem with him as long as he's a traffic court judge. Yep. <laughs> um, the, um, uh, so that's the answer. So the answer is technically Congress could restrict the cases that would make it to the high court. I mean, just in the case of the Supreme Court. Yeah, uh, of course, would... the Supreme Court would then rule on that also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but if we do it by constitutional yeah. amendment, which is very hard to do intentionally, so it's difficult, but we've done it. 27 times in 240 years, we could amend the Constitution to direct uh, focus on these issues. And the underlying point is that judges are not supposed to rule in favor of their biases. And we have lots and lots of cases of, for example, uh, mass going Catholic judges who have uh, issued rulings contrary to the teachings of the Catholic Church because they're not supposed to consider the teachings of the Catholic Church. Uh, And that's what we are getting, unfortunately, away from. We are getting ideological judges who say, this is the way I think, and I now have the power to make you do what I say. Absolutely not. Uh, Yeah, this is true. Just uh, before I get to uh, Perry Joe Jim Bob's uh, uh, point, uh, you're you're so right. You could make the argument, I think, cleanly, David K. Johnston, that that judge— rather than ruling in this case, should have recused himself from the case. I mean, given his background, given his activism in this area, I mean, as I say, I'm sorry, I mean, he's he's really a radical activist in this area of reproductive rights. You should yeah, recuse he, yourself. He, he is. And and in the for those folks who aren't watching, Perry Joe Jimbob has written something that's very interesting. The drug, talking about the b- drug that induces abortion, a much better version than what the Old Testament recipe is for a drug to induce an abortion. Uh, The drug isn't the problem. It's the means to an end. Next will be attacks on same-sex marriages, interracial marriages, et cetera. I agree with you. I think that you're going to see an assault on contraception. Let's go back to the pre-1965 Supreme Court ruling that it is a crime to uh, sell or make available contraceptive devices. Um, And essentially, that's a Catholic... Uh, ultra-conservative Jewish and a few other faiths uh, view, it's not secular. But yeah, that's what these people are bringing. And uh, I think that they're, unless we we elect different senators and representatives, there's more than that coming. Um, you di- dive into the literature of people who are in the Federalist Society, people who are in the uh, radical right, they are developing this legal jurist, uh, this legal theory that you can only have laws consistent with what the law was in 1787 when we adopted the Constitution. And I'm making a deliberately absurdist argument here, but I guess that'll be the end of air travel and air traffic control and rules on licensing pilots. 
Yeah, the modern age is yeah. uh, uh, is threatened. Eric says if politics is a pendulum, there's going to be one hell of a swing to the left in response to all this crap eventually. Uh, boy, it sure, that seems like a long way from where we are, but maybe, that's I don't a, know. That, that's maybe. something I've been I mean, thinking the, about because I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but I wanted, it's the question I wanted to ask you is Trump stacked the courts with all these justices. And I believe it's, it's are they lifetime appointments or how long? Because how long does it take? Are we going to be dealing with this for decades? The pendulum might swing, but it's going to take a long time to get rid of these people. All Article Three federal judges, so District Court, Court of Appeals, Supreme Court, those are lifetime appointments. So many judges don't stay. They, they leave and they go into private practice. Or Merrick Garland left the uh, D.C. Court of Appeals to become attorney general. But it is a lifetime appointment. Uh, back at the time we started this country, you were unlikely to serve 20 years. Uh, Clarence Thomas, the longest serving justice, has been on the court for, I think it's 33 years now, maybe at 34. Um, we, we need to recognize that conditions change and the Constitution is a blueprint. Uh, it is not the final design, uh, which will continually change. I'm thinking of Stuart Brand's book, you know, How Buildings Learn, in which he shows all sorts of buildings over long periods of time and different owners had them and how they alter the buildings to fit the needs of the time. Um, it, there's a there's a real fundamental problem here in judicial ethics. There's a fundamental problem with Mitch McConnell's approach to stacking the courts. Roughly one in four district court, circuit court of appeals, justices, and one third of the Supreme Court are Trump appointees. And those people were picked for ideological reasons, not because of their distinguished jurisprudence. None of the Trump appointees and John uh, Justice Gorsuch is a, a sophisticated thinker. I don't like his thinking, but he's a very sophisticated thinker. But he can't hold a candle to um, Katanji Jackson Brown, uh, the black woman appointed to the court recently, who in her very first words from the bench went after one of the big lies in America. The Constitution is race neutral, her other justices said. And she said, no, it's not. It's full of race. It's all over the place. Three-fifths of a person, amendments, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, anyhow, we all need to be very worried about this. I've long been in favor of expanding the Supreme Court to either uh, 15 uh, members or 17 members. I don't want to go to 11. That's just sort of patently somewhere else. And appointing justices who are reasonable, rational people. They're not picked because they have some preset agenda, wherever it is. And you need to be cautious about saying, well, we'll get a bunch of liberal judges, things will go our way. No, you, you want judges who are going to act the way judges are supposed to uh, interpreting the Constitution. I mean, uh, you know, we've had this conversation a bit already because I'm way for expanding the court. And I always thought, I think you were the one who really enlightened me on this, as I recall, so this is kind of why I'm asking you again, that you don't need a congressional a two-thirds congressional vote on that you can expand the court uh the bar for expanding the court is really low joe biden could expand the, the supreme court couldn't he explain take us through that again if you actually well, wanted to, to yeah to increase the, the number of justices in the supreme court is set by uh congress okay so you need 51 senators if you can get That's to it. a vote remember we That's have it. the 60 vote rule that makes it makes it undemocratic but ignoring that 
51 votes and in the House, a majority plus one, and you can change the number of people who are on the Supreme Court. You can't, with current justices, force them to retire. But uh, I think that there's an enormous amount of power the Senate Judiciary Committee has to embarrass um, Justice uh, Thomas, to embarrass Chief Justice Roberts, who's an institutionalist. Um, the Senate has the power to investigate Thomas's finances. And we know that his wife has received hundreds of thousands of dollars from people who had issues before the court. And here's a loophole that should be looked at. Um, a lot was made after ProPublica revealed these millions of dollars of vacation trips about the fact that Harlan Crow has never had a case before the court. Well, wait a second. Harlan Crow is a founder of the Club for Growth. It had a case before the court in 2001. He's still on the board there. The American Enterprise Institute, which is a pro-business think tank, quote unquote, a research and marketing organization in Washington, it does not have cases. Harlan Crow's on the board there and has given them a lot of money. But you know what they do? They have their fellows file briefs in court cases. So it'll say Peter Wallison, senior fellow, AEI, and he'll file a brief. That's just a ruse to what's going on here. And the question that um, should really be put to Justice Thomas under oath by the Senate Judiciary Committee is this. Do you th think that Justice, uh, that, that Mr. Crow would have spent millions of dollars uh, whining and dining your wife and flying them, you in private jets if you were a traffic court judge, sir? Sure, sure. And by the way, and the second question is, and how many times has the Justice, uh, Justice Thomas, have you had Mr. Crow stay overnight at your home at your expense? Well, you know something, David, the faux righteous indignation that Clarence Thomas cranked up for the confirmation hearing, and I'm sure he's capable of marshalling at a, you know, at a moment's notice. I think you'd see that on display. Uh, but even so, uh, you're right. I mean, there is a, a – and I think you're seeing it in Tennessee. You saw the power of the people. You saw the power of, the, of nationally embarrassing a legislative body, and they walked it back right away. So well, they, they didn't walk it back. The 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 local uh, legislators in Nashville and Memphis put the guys back in office temporarily, and then they have to run for office again. When the first of the two Justins reappeared on the floor of the House yesterday and got up and spoke, the Speaker uh, uh, slammed the gavel and, in the most contemptuous way, said, "Out of order." There's been reporting since then by Judd Legum and my friend Phil Williams, who's a one of the best TV investigative reporters in the country is looking into the speaker of the house of Tennessee may not live in his district, which the Tennessee constitution requires us constitution. Doesn't you could be the congressperson from San Francisco and live in Oakland under federal law. Now, California is a state law. If I recall that prevents that, but my congressman in Western New York here in Rochester could live somewhere else in the state, but they had to live in the state. But the Tennessee Constitution is very clear. Members of the legislature have to live in their district. And the law says that you are presumed to live where your spouse and children live and children go to school. Well, that starts from his district. So maybe the person who should be expelled is the uh, Speaker of the House in wow. Tennessee. That's wild. That really is wild. Uh, 
David, so appreciate you. You know I'm the Pulitzer Prize winner. You should pick up a, a book or two, crack. If you want to see how rich America has taken advantage of the rest of America, pick up one of David's books related to that. But if you want to learn about the true mobster quality that Trump has had all his life, pick up any one of David's books on Trump. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's alarming. In fact, you know what I'd love to do at some point? I'd love to tell one of those stories from one of the Trump books because they, they're they incredible stories, you know, and okay, they're well, true. Let's do two of them in a future show. Let's do the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders that Donald Trump plied with liquor, limousines, and hotel rooms so they would gamble because <laughs> they had money. Remember, we're not talking about a 19-year-old right. who's dolled up. We're talking about a sixth grader. Right. And that's in the making of Donald Trump and in Temples of Chance. And let's also talk about uh, the chapter in uh, the making of Donald Trump showing mercy about the major international cocaine trafficker Donald was involved with up to his eyeballs for a decade, who he did extraordinary favors for that make no sense whatsoever, unless, as I show in the book, they were in the cocaine trafficking business together. And then what he did makes absolutely perfect sense. So incredible. Yeah, good stuff. All right, for the next time. David K. Johnson. Thanks, David. Right on. Wow. The Mark Thompson Show. Wow. Love the conversation with David K. Johnston. Got to Kim's question. I felt good about that. Thought he all it had it all, if I can say that. It really did. Smash the like button like a boss. Iron rod. Damn straight. If you haven't yet, I recommend that you check out our website, themarkthompsonshow.com. There you can click through to Patreon or PayPal. And in a few moments, I may recognize a couple of new uh, patrons. Really appreciate that. We have some added content, which I think will be dropping a little bit later in, I'm going to say probably next week. Some of that added content, those who are patrons and PayPal uh, members, um, You'll have a chance to uh, see that a little ahead of everybody. So we're trying to get that all organized uh, as well so that there'll be some advantages to, you know, joining our ranks. And we really appreciate that. And we're completely crowdfunded, which is why we're trying to come up with different ways that we can reward all of you who are part of the crowd that uh, is funding us. I mean, beyond just the show. So we're, we're working on that as well. But uh, really, truly grateful. The Mark Thompson Show, uh, dot com. Kim's News, then I've got a big Law and Disorder segment waiting for you as well. Smash the like button. Smash it with your iron rod. And now Kim's over-the-top medieval news theme. I'm Kim McAllister on The Mark Thompson Show, and this report is sponsored by Tenuta Vineyards in Livermore. Yay! Right on, Tenuta. There they are. It's beautiful. I love it. We'll talk more about Tenuta Vineyards and Livermore in just a moment. Uh, But to the news now where police are saying that the AR style rifle that was used in yesterday's mass shooting at a bank in Kentucky was purchased legally. Officials in Louisville held a press conference this morning to give an update on this investigation. They say the gunman bought the weapon last week and told at least one person he was suicidal and contemplating harm 
before Keek killed five people and injured more than a half dozen more. Police say a shooting outside a funeral home in northeast Washington, D.C. was a targeted attack. Here's what, the, here's what it looks like at the scene. The D.C. police chief says four people were shot. One person did not survive. The shooting broke out this afternoon outside the Stewart Funeral Home. The suspect in that case is still at large. And I'm concerning in Madera County, California. They've been without a hospital in Madera County since January. That means 160,000 residents, most of them farm workers, don't have access to emergency health care. The now abandoned Madera Community Hospital shuttered after negotiations with a large health care system to buy it fell through in late December. That forced the hospital into bankruptcy. Locals there have to drive to Fresno, more than 30 minutes away by car, to where officials say people are overwhelming the hospital system there. So the closure kind of highlights the squeeze that rural hospitals are feeling. Six more rural hospitals in California are at risk of closing, that according to a study done in January by the Center for Healthcare Quality and Payment Reform. No hospital in Madera County. Speaking of medical issues, cases of sexually transmitted infections surged in 2021. You're welcome for not having a picture of that. The CDC data (laughs) shows that the number of cases jumped by 7% in one year to more than 2.5 million cases. More than half of those reported cases were, what do you think, Mark? Uh, I don't know. I don't have a guess. No, it's chlamydia. More than half of the cases. Oh, chlamydia. Come on with it. I never would have gotten that. Chlamydia for the win. That's right. Wow. That's That's not fake. That's real. Yeah, that's real bad. Got to watch it, people. Got to watch it. Elizabeth Holmes will have to wait out her conviction appeal in prison. No home with an ankle monitor bracelet for you, ma'am. Well, That's one judge... of the better pictures of Elizabeth Holmes that I've seen, by it, it the way. It really is. She's one she's of got... those people, like, we're all this way, where you can get a good pick or a bad one. But yeah. she uh, she can, uh, she's had a lot of pictures taken of herself, and uh, this is one of the better ones. Well, she's got her Steve Jobs black turtleneck on. Exactly. Yeah, no? she's got that fake low voice that she speaks, speaks with. She's rocking the tech look. Hey, know. look. Uh, give her a lot of credit. It was a great scam till you got, you know, got nailed. Busted. The judge said the disgraced Theranos founder is not a flight risk, but he doubted her conviction would be reversed even if she wins her appeal. Holmes was sentenced to more than 11 years in prison for defrauding investors of the falsified blood testing startup. So in prison, she stays during the appeal. Yeah. SpaceX is planning to launch uh, another rocket from northwestern Santa Barbara County. And this one could be visible from the Southern California night sky. The launch from Vandenberg Space Force Base is scheduled for 11.48 p.m. California time. The payload is called, uh, the payload called Transporter 7 will be aboard a Falcon 9 rocket. It is the seventh mission of its kind, and it will include 50 small satellites, orbital transfer vehicles carrying spacecraft that will deployed at a later, be deployed at a later time are also part of this launch. So if you see something flying in the night sky, wow. especially if you're in the Southland, that's what it is. That's terrific. Do we care about actresses getting engaged? I, don't I do. I do care you? about everyone pursuing the... Love. The love, the romance that's in their heart. This is actress Millie Bobby Brown. 
Oh, yeah, from Stranger Things. That's right. And she is now engaged to John Bo- bon- John Bon Jovi's son. Wow, those yeah. cute kids. The 19-year-old Stranger Things actress, 19, and she's engaged. Millie, no. I don't know. Uh, no. She's announcing her engagement to Jake Bon Jovi on Instagram. She wow. captioned a black and white photo of the couple with the words, I've loved you three summers now, honey. I want them all. Isn't that great? I, yeah. If your daughter came in at 19 and wanted to get married, what would you would you be excited? But 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 before, before you say no, hmm. it, married to John Bon Jovi's son. 19 is too young. For John my, Bon Jovi's son, even. For anybody, in my okay. mind. So I would say that's great that you're engaged. Why don't we set the wedding for about four years from now and see how Absolutely it goes. not, Mom. I want to yeah. do it this summer. In fact, we've already picked out the venue. And well, there. You have to you, make your life mistakes then. I'll be would, here you for would, marriage, so you would, and I'll you be would here back. for the divorce. <laughs> I got your back, love. That's good. So you but, would you would back off and let the kids do it, and you would be there at the wedding, and you would be like... Yeah. You express your concern, and you let them make their own choices, right? Wow. That's because really you great. can't say, how would you handle this? Right. We could try ignoring it, sir. Well, you can't ignore it. It's kind you of a big deal. You can't come down too hard, because then they'll do it just to spite you, right? Oh, that's a good point. I do have an idea for Millie Bobby Brown, though. What's that? Well, it turns out that Tenuta Vineyards hosts events. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm thinking it is. They've got the roses on the table. They've got the whole nine yards. They are ready to host events and to do all the good things. So let me tell you that... That's a uh, great idea. I yes, think that's they a, have. Now you're, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. Tenuta Vineyards has space for off-site business meetings. Their mm. event room holds up to 100 people. So she, she could have quite a few people packed in there. Their small event room holds up to 20 people. Both of the rooms can be reserved for private parties. I like the, can, the I'm gonna I see myself as more of a small event room guy, to be perfectly know? honest. Yeah, I don't I like the if we hold a Mark Thompson show, then it's gonna be jammed. You got Maybe. Book- I don't you might be surprised. <laughs> no. You have to book Cafe Tenuta for that. We gotta have the big guns. Yeah, All that's right. true. So uh they can do team building events. They do this thing where they called it's called be a winemaker for a day. Oh, and yeah. it's a competition. So everybody goes home with a bottle of the winning blend. Oh, and I love that. Yeah. I'd that's be really willing fun. to bet my lunch that there's alcohol involved. <laughs> oh, I certainly they hope so. Do some really, really fun things. And of course, Tenuta Vineyards is child friendly. They are pet friendly. They are cyclist friendly. They do all kinds of things. And I do want to let you know that you can get a discount, a Mark Thompson show discount. Oh, I, wait a minute. Vineyards. You had me a discount. Tell me. Right. About. So you have to call them, and I'll give you the number. Here's the phone number. It is uh, Mm -hmm. 925-699-4576. You can see it on the screen right there. I'll put it back in a second. But if you call, you have to call to get the discount. You can't email or or go to the website. You have to call. If you call Rich at Tenuta Vineyards and say, smash it with your iron rod, you get 10% off. Smash it with your iron rod. Thank Mm -hmm. you. At Tenuta Vineyard Winery in Livermore. But you so don't you have call. to do the voice. You can just you say you smash it with your iron. No, you That's don't. That's my rule. I'm, I'm putting that rule in. You I have to am. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Rich wants the voice, too. I know he does. It's getting so harder and harder Rich. to get that 10% discount. All right, get go the ahead. 10% discount. You mm-hmm. book your private event, and you are wow. all good to go. See what I'm Jeez. saying? Well, it seems I, pretty cool to me. 
on Kim McAllister on the Mark Thompson Show. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Shadow Stevens. This is the Mark Thompson Show. Keep it to yourself. Who's Mark Thompson? It is our big Tuesday show. We had David K. Johnson, a visit from Bill Mann. We talked a bit about judgeships and judicial overreach and packing the court and expanding the court and uh, judicial agenda and all the rest. If there's a moment, I'll try to get to some uh, law and disorder. If you have anything you want to say to me or anyone on the show, you can reach us at the Mark Thompson Show at gmail.com. The Mark Thompson Show at gmail.com. I did want to tell you something pretty eerily uh, cool maybe or eerily disturbing or eerily um, freaking me out what is it well i should be freaking you out in a way because Uh-oh. this is in your space a kuwait media outlet says that they have created a virtual news presenter Mm-mm. we call them anchors using artificial intelligence. So this is AI come to the Lester Holt, uh, David Muir, uh, whoever's doing CBS, part of the um, world. Uh, They've named her Fedha. She made her debut in the Kuwaiti News Twitter account. It's an affiliate account of the Kuwait Times, not really important. She appears as an image of a woman with light-colored hair wearing a black jacket and white T-shirt. She is completely AI-generated. That's really scary. I know you want to see it. And so now, Tony, if you would, please. This is, and and we can hear her. You'll you'll be able to hear her. She's speaking Arabic, but you'll be able to hear what she's saying. Anafadda. أول مذيعة في الكويت تعمل بذكاء الاصطناعي في مؤسسة كويت نيوز الإعلامية. ما هي نوعية الأخبار التي تفضلونها؟ لنسمع آراءكم. I mean, that's completely believable and completely fine. It is. Okay, so first of all, they can make her say whatever they want to say. Of course. They, they, can, they, can, make make... Any, they can make any anchor say whatever they want them to say. Just put it uh, in the teleprompter. Yeah, Absolutely. That's, that's true, but a, a, a human being might look at something or might know look at something and know it's a lie or refuse to say it like there's oh i'm just saying i'm just saying that no i'm saying that these uh anchors and i love my anchors as you know i was an anchor uh i mean dan ashley big shout out he he would be able to push back i will give you that but not all anchors have the kind of juice that dan ashley has i think if if they if if a network tried to make Dan Ashley lie, that his reputation and right. that's his, what I'm saying. He'd his be dignity able to push is more back. important. He would be able right. to push back. But a lot of anchors would not be. Raj Mathai would be able to. He has that right. kind of juice also. So Dan and Raj could push back. But what I'm saying is there are a m- bunch of people. Hey, if you don't believe me, look at what the Sinclair broadcasting people no. all had to read. Hundreds well, look of at, them. Look at they Fox read News. that horrible news. Co- right. oh, Fox News as well at the highest look levels. At the, the email. They knew they were lying and they went on the air and did it anyway. Thank you. So you're so, making my point for I me. I mean, that's I'm exactly just saying, it. Exactly. The possibility exists that an anchor would look at that and say, this is too much even for me, right? But now you've got I mean, this fake where they could make her say the most outrageous things 
And if people don't realize it there, they're thinking this one. And also, why is she white? Yeah. I mean. We'll do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. I don't know. I don't understand she's... why they made her look like that. No, I mean, there are people who look like that in Kuwait. What are you saying? That you don't, you think she should look a different way? Well, are there people, I mean, I would think if it's a Middle East broadcast that, you know, most of the anchors there would be people of color. Many people would be, but they're also uh, light-skinned Middle Eastern people too, I guess. I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in Kuwait. I was in, uh, I was in Dubai and I saw people of different complexions, dark and light. Okay. Uh, But I I take your point. If you wanted a stereotypical Kuwaiti anchor, you would probably make them darker complected. But uh, I I think this is sadly uh, pretty good. (laughs) I'm sorry, Kim. I'm sorry. I'm just saying we are looking at a very real possibility. Here, let let me give you a positive spin on it. Okay. No, there's no, I mean, I'm for people doing stuff. So you're, uh, any, certainly the news business. If you had, okay, stay with me on this. Okay. A solid editorial staff, you had a respectable, good, top flight editor in chief, you had a respectable, good, top flight producer, okay, and writer and you wrote solid, good news copy, wouldn't you like to see it done by that anchor? I mean, it's there's nothing really wrong with it except for the fact that you're eliminating a human being's anchor job. Again, all the, the friends of, that I have are anchors, and they do a great job, and they ad-lib and do these other things. You, some of that would be lost, I think. But the actual presenter who's just reading copy reading it on the prompter the way they do on all the major network newscasts. Right. I mean, that if that was done, if that copy was written by top drawer editors and producers, what's the difference? Just to well, play devil's what, advocate. If I don't have any allegiance to the person who's, the, in this case, a fake person, right, who has no personality, who offers nothing extra. Well, brings, a, 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 brings, like Not like the personality of David Muir? You've got such great uh, attachment to the personality of David well, Muir? No, I Please. don't. Okay. But this person brings nothing extra to the table. Right. No network news anchor brings much personality to it. It's good evening tonight, another shooting in America, you know, the you know, long I, nightmare. You know, it's just all... This may date me, but I did have an allegiance to Peter Jennings. Well... <laughs> I'm just saying. When was Peter Jennings on last? Google it. <laughs> that is. I'm just saying. There's. That's there's almost like a boyhood crush. That's it, like a boyhood it is, crush. A, it was so long it's, ago. It's a news crush. I had a news crush on yeah. Peter Jennings. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just saying Girl, that. If, you just woo. You are this, just woo when you get this, cranked up. The AI yeah. lady yeah. offers nothing extra. Brings nothing extra to the table. Let me. So I'll you tell have, you whether she brings. Hang on a second. Let me put my credibility glasses on. Tony, will you of, run her again, please? I'll tell you whether she brings anything extra. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. Here is. Here she is. She's speaking Arabic, but she's very attractive. And listen she's to the way fake. she speaks. She's. Yeah, she's and you know something, my David is- Muir is fake also. So is Lester Holt. I mean, that's not really them. That's their news person, them. 
Same thing with any news anchor, right? So yeah, when you say well, she's fake. I mean, I'm not TV, but not me. No, but in the this is a far more I serve up some uh, or this is a far more organic. This is a far yeah. more organic situation. Honestly, a KGO newscast yeah. or a KCBS newscast, even to use another example, generally speaking, is um, it's eleven fifty four KCBS news time and blah 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 blah, and it's all very you know and yeah, traffic and weather together, traffic and weather blah blah blah. They and they have a a formula. Right. That keeps it very, I mean, it could be done by all, AI. I'm not it, saying it should it, be. We have processes and protocols and standards. KGO wasn't. He could stop me in the middle of a newscast and, and like you do here and bust in and it would be fine. So that's right. a different, a different, you know, thing. Different but animal. Yeah. What I'm saying is, what does she bring to the table? Why would I want to watch her instead of reading, going to their website and just reading the news that they've, their staff has written? Well, I'm kind of growing, growing attached to her, so I'm sorry. Karen says she's blinking every two seconds, which I find annoying. You know something, Karen? I kind of like her blinking every two seconds. People are being very tough on my new girlfriend, who's no. the AI presenter. I am, I'm really into her. Yes, Lensman. Mark will get you a room. Down with Fedha. I am very, very attached i almost don't want tony to remove her image from the Stop screen it. that's how much i like her I'm i can't so wait till they come I out know. with the english version no Mm-mm. the english speaking version yeah. she has to go she's done well uh this is the future you're looking at it and you heard it here that's your sample of the ai anchor out of kuwait the mark thompson show yeah you can uh, smash the like button like a boss smash you're smashing it, your it for the rod. live humans that put this show together every day Tomorrow on the show, I do want to mention the great Kevin Pollack, the actor from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, born in the city, raised in San Jose. Kevin is entering the fifth season and the final season of Maisel. So looking forward to talking to him about that. That's really, really a great show. And I'll mention again, if you just can't get enough of us talking about movies, (laughs) <laughs> I drilled down on Full Metal Jacket with the guys at the Film Crickets. That's cool. They talk about whether or not it holds up as a movie all these years later. We talk about Stanley Kubrick. We mentioned 2001. We mentioned The Shining. We mentioned a, a few of these Kubrick films. You know, he only did 13 movies, and they're all really long. We talked about that. And Full Metal Jacket is really two movies. Yeah, you know, it's full, the, I was about to say, Full Metal Jacket is the tale of two movies. That's exactly right. But the same message, but in two movies. But uh, Tony's exactly right. So you have the boot camp part of Full Metal Jacket, and you have the Vietnam part of Full Metal Jacket. It's really a good movie if you haven't seen it. And let me just think for a moment. Tony, you and I are going to bet, uh, not bet money, but we're going to sort of wager imaginable uh, on this. All right. I'm going to say the answer to this is no. Uh and you have to now answer this question. Has Kim seen Full Metal Jacket? I'm going to say no. What do you think? Yes. It's, a, it's an older I'll go movie. opposite, so I'll say yes. But okay. Yeah. Kim, know. have you seen the movie Full Metal Jacket, the Stanley Kubrick film? I have not seen oh, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I know, I know my Kim. So many yeah, iconic I know my Kim. Like, lines in that movie. There was too yeah. much violence, so I had to click. Oh, on. yeah. 
Yeah. So you went for a I, more contemporary film? I was. Yeah. I, I think I tried. To, I started watching it, and I just couldn't do it. It's not violent off the top. The first part. The first part of the movie is not violent at all. It's 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 disturbing, but it's not I violent. I didn't. Um, yeah. Anyway, too much for me. Uh, but the film crickets. There you go. Thank you guys. I had so much fun, and uh, I hope some uh, people find their way to your um, to your show because it was a lot of fun to do. Speaking all right, of yeah, movies too. and AI. Karen says, Mark, they already have AI that can replace actors. Harrison Ford's next Indiana Jones movie will have some AI of Indiana in it. Wow. It's a de-aging is what they did. They de-aged them a lot is what they did. Oh. So they could do is, them in past scenes and stuff like that. What does that mean, de-aged? De-aged. So he looks young, oh, younger. He, so he looks like Temple right. of Doom, Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's and not pretty wild. Harrison that's Ford. pretty. And yeah. the, much better. The, the worst de-aging was in that Scorsese film, right? With De Niro and... Remember mm-hmm. that where they and I also it was uh, the Star Wars Rogue One the, they didn't get that one really good the the AI but they're getting better and better at it just yeah mm-hmm. exponentially yeah. getting and now they they can recreate voice like uh, with a uh, Val Kilmer they can like they they do that AI voice thing with so they have enough sampling yes. they could just that write whatever they want and it sounds scary. like them Whew. that was so, and, scary and Disney's already like bought for like like with with the Mark Hamill I think they did with Harrison Ford too they basically bought their rights to use their likeness and their voice in future things after wow. they've passed like that's wow. all what actors can do now they can like sell their image in in <sighs> future that is eerie what yeah that well that is really cutting edge man how do we know you're real he <laughs> says uh well because um i screw up too much to be yeah. uh, but um Maybe I don't mind the AI in Rogue One because I love the story so much. You are willing to overlook certain yeah. things once, you know, if you like the... Uh, uh, before you know it, AI will replace podcasters. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, somebody asked if the AI will be replacing Courtney. Mm-mm. Taking over Courtney's Monday murder mystery. You yeah, know what? You a, I'm all for a, that. You do have yeah. a crush on Feta. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, we have a big show tomorrow. Do, do uh, we recognize? Stop, we have to recognize. Do super real fast. Mark, yeah, super real fast, and then we'll do go the music ahead. out. Let's do it. Let's do okay. it. Bring it on up. Let me see okay, what okay. we have. I, I love my... Joanne Blickensdurfer is a regular supporter for <laughs> Kim's new keyboard with an eye that works. Nice. Big Dan Ashley shout out. Big shout out. Thank you, Joanne. <laughs> Thank you Lulu Lancaster, five dollars to that new keyboard fund. Lovely. Oh, that's Thank great. You. Thank you, Lulu. Big, big shout, shout out. out. Yeah. Gail Guthrie with a big. I'm, I'm not going to cry. I'm not, not going to cry. cry. But 19.99 for a new keyboard. I'm getting a nice keyboard, Gail. You are. <laughs> Sandra Thomas, ten dollars for Kim's eye. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> big shout out. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. William Guy for $3. Thank you, William. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you, Mike Garcia in Oklahoma, oh, Mike. Thank you so much. Jennifer. Here's $5 to knock down KGO to rebuild okay. a new one. Bye. 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 I actually have an interesting story about that. West Theory. Oh, wait a minute. We have more. Uh, breaking <laughs> news. Cruel radio host restricts his news person from fixing her eye. <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounds like me. Yeah. I uh, hope that we will uh, all be smoother tomorrow. It was pretty smooth. It wasn't bad. 
today. Aloha. Have a beautiful Tuesday. How- I'm Shadow Sh- Stevens yes. for the Mark Johnson Show. I never get enough Shadow. Bye-bye. Yes. Um, Out of time. Bye-bye. Over to Nikki's show next on the Nikki Maduro channel. Till tomorrow. Bye-bye.